Welcome to the Your Business Story Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Spencer, and today we're going to talk about presenting, writing, and knowing the rules before you can start breaking them. Are you ready? Let's do this. She's on a business writing mission To make sure you know what words to say So that what you deserve is what you'll get paid Because storytelling changes everything Get pumped for the epic knowledge in today's episode of Your Business Story This is episode 16 of season 1 Before You Break the Rules With Kirsten Rourke and Kelly Donovan Condren Today, I have the most amazing guest. I know I say that every time, but it's true every time. And today, my guests are going to blow you away. I want to welcome the entire amazing team from Rourke Training, Kirsten Rourke and Kelly. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to say your name wrong. Donovan Condren. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yes. Ooh, all right. So thank you so much for coming on. How are you today? Good, good. It's been a good morning. I'm excited. Morning. Yeah, I like it. So you two are the first time I've had more than one guest. So listeners, if it's a little messy, it's because we're having too much fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to make a new thumbnail. I was like, okay, I'm going to shove two amazing people on here. And it was an experience. So thank you for um, allowing me to have you be my first multiple guest and joining in my experiment. And Excellent. Of only good things are going to come out of it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, thank oh. you for having both of us. Let the chaos begin. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you two decide amongst yourselves. Who's going to answer right. which question, Which question? Uh, but I just want my listeners to have a little bit of background. I know both of you. Um, I cyberstalk Kelly on LinkedIn constantly because <laughs> we're both obsessed with language. And Kirsten has actually, like, I keep referring people to you. Eventually, you're going to start hearing my name a lot because I sat down with her for 30 I minutes. It. I was the biggest ball of nerves ever and she was just like okay one question later i had complete clarity for my keynote my business literally everything and in my new book that i'm writing a whole chapter is dedicated to the one question you asked me so thank you fantastic that's awesome (laughs) oh so cool yeah i love it i love i love just doing doing the process with people because it's you can never see your own stuff you can never, like, I can't see my own stuff. That's why I have Kelly. That's why I've got you. But yeah. you, you can always see other people's stuff. And it's like, I was like looking at you were describing it. I'm like, okay, here we go. There we are. <laughs> Just Let's get it. that one yeah. thing out. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So question number one, and I just answered it for you, but I'd love to hear your take on it. What is the most important problem that you both solve for your clients? Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. That's actually a tough one because, so the focus of our work, um, and, and it's actually Kelly and I are the the public faces. And then we do have Danny and Jim who are, uh, there's the most amazing graphic designer and operations person, uh, behind us. They're just wonderful. So our focus is ongoing mastery of presenting and speaking skills. And that comes from the fact that Kelly's been an educator since rocks were soft she started when she was very, very young. And I was an instructional designer 
uh, freelance technical trainer, this and that. And we both kind of have this drive to make education and especially online education or technical education passionate and engaging and fun because there's so many subjects that people come to and go, oh, I'm going to put up with this. I'm going to learn it. And humans don't learn when they're bored. They just don't. So you have to do, you have to bring in the theater, you have to bring in the engagement, you have to bring in the passion. But I say for me, the most important thing is finding the person's passion. Like your passion was so clear. It was 100% there. I was like, yes, okay. And I just went and pulled one thread. Whereas for some people, uh, I have one client and I love him to death. He's got, his passion is all over. So we spent a couple of weeks getting his passions into one container and then going from there. So it's really identifying what is the driving force? What is the art? What is the passion? What is the, the thing that makes you light up that you want to share with the world and change the world by doing? Wow. Yeah. That, you made it sound so easy and complicated at the same time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It really, it's, it's exactly that. Um, Cause it, and I'm going to try to not talk the entire time. So I'm going to shut up soon and let Kelly talk. <laughs> you're, no, you're the guest. So, okay. For those of you who don't know, Kirsten has her own podcast, which is Ongoing Mastery, right? Is that Ongoing Mastery, Presenting ongoing and mastery. Speaking. It wasn't on yep. my form, but I've seen it a bunch and I just love it. Like the pictures of you, I'm always just like, wow, she we looks have, like a badass. We have so much fun. <laughs> We do. Well, the photos are great because the photos are what happens when you hire uh, Shauna Chanette in Massachusetts for oh, four nice. hours. And she spent an hour on my face and hair, uh, her person. And then she spent three hours taking photos of me. And what we got was photos in which I'm like, so badass. And I'm like, yeah, that's what happens after four hours. <laughs> that's so, not but, a get up in the morning coffee face. No, no. But yeah. what I what I want to say is you are not the host, which means you get to do all the talk. I mean, Kelly's going to talk too. But yeah. you too get to do all the talking. It's my job to listen. So have fun. <laughs> well, I'm going to hand it off to Kelly. So Kelly, you, you take some. So otherwise, okay. I will talk the entire time. So my clients are students and I teach at a business school when I'm not working with Kirsten. And so I try not to think of them as clients. They sometimes have a customer service bottle, but what I want for my students is to write with their own voice. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this, like Kirsten said, a long time. And I come from a literature and humanities background. So I don't want my students to sound like me. It's my voice but I want them to sound like themselves and not sort of stiff academic sounding language. I said, would you use that word in conversation ever? Do you know what that word means? No. Synergistic. Synergistic should die. Oh no. Uh, so much, so much business lingo, so many phrases. Um, it's really what I want students to first do is have confidence in their own voice and that they have something to say and then teach them the different genres, not business writing, but the different ways to talk about an idea. Mm. Um, and it's harder than it might sound because young people can be either very, very confident or not confident enough, right? And so trying to, trying to bring the <laughs> class to that middle space where we can all learn something from each other. Yeah, I have two teenage daughters and um, I'm living that every day. So I can relate to that. <laughs> Solidarity, my daughter's yes, right. And I'm like, be yourself, but 
don't be a jerk, right? Like right. it's yeah. that balance, like choose kindness, <laughs> but empower your voice. Like it's all the balancing act, I feel like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and okay. I'm throwing kibble on the floor so that my dog Angel does not help us with the podcast. <laughs> I, I heard her. Listen, this podcast is kid and dog friendly, just so you know. It's not a big awesome. deal. Actually, people love it, right? Like we were all, we just came out of a meeting where we were with a bunch of like the most amazing women you can ever imagine. Yep. Yeah. And our friend Malia came on uh, and her daughter was making all these baby noises and everyone freaked out with like joy. They were so amazing. cute because she wasn't on camera and you could hear the, oh, 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 oh. Yes. And I'm like, oh, we want to see the baby. <laughs> I know. So I think those those um, unplanned moments uh, of joy bring so much satisfaction to life. So if your dog wants to bark, it's fine. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Are we ready for question two? Question two. Okay. Question two is all about pain because as both of you know, the people in pain need help right now. So yeah. what is the biggest pain that you're client the kind of person is in right now and what do they think they need to solve the pain and how do you actually solve it for them so the pain is two parts uh it's an element of public speaking fear and generally our clients they have some public speaking fear but some of them have gotten kind of over to thinking of it as public speaking Mm -hmm. and they're in the part of it where it's engagement it's getting people to engage with you and that's, there's a process, there's a science to it. And it, it is not, it's not the way, when you're online, for example, you are communicating in a way that is different than the tools you use face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And having to make that switch to a different tool set is not intuitive. And when you're in person, the stage communication that you do is different than the face-to-face sitting at a table facilitation communication that you do. And again, you're shifting to a different tool set. So... What is not obvious to our clients is that it's literally a matter of learning new tools and it's tools you already have. They're just in a different order. Okay. Yeah. I would almost say it's like a a code switching, right? That a lot of times if you've internalized it, you're code switching and you don't even realize, say you are, when I go back home to Boston, born in Boston, don't have a Boston accent because I've had speech therapy for a, for a lisp. But when I'm home, my accent is very thick. One, two, three, foa. That's a foa, yeah. two syllables. Foa. Right. So, and I, I don't do that on purpose. I'm not putting my accent on and off like a hat. Um, but I think what Kirsten was talking about can be thought of as kind of like a code switching of pick up these tools, put down those tools, right? And having that confidence to just switch and just do it. Uh, My students' pain point is time. They think they don't have enough and they are trying to do a lot. They're taking a lot of classes. They're involved in clubs. They work. They're sports. All of these things, they're all important. And I agree. And so they think the solution is to just kind of bang out a draft and then I'll get some feedback and then I can make it better. I hear you laughing. I hear you laughing. (laughs) Um, And sometimes that works, but most often if they've just banged it out, I don't have anything to give them feedback on. That's super useful. It's not deep enough, right? Like they haven't had that thinking time to really put some meat into it. Right. 
And what I tell them is what they already know. This is too general. Here's a place where you need to add detail. And like, yeah, I was going to go back and do that. I was like, I can't offer you feedback on what's not there. Yeah, uh, you so can't edit a blank page. They need to embrace the process. And that can be hard when you feel pressed for time. I know, I confess, I, I sometimes also want to not do the process. <laughs> but there's no way out but through. Yeah. Right. right, right. The process yeah. is. Can I just yeah. ask you, because Kelly, I know we all know what code switching is, but could you just in your um, teacher talking to a six-year-old voice, what what's like a simple definition for listeners who maybe they haven't heard this term used in the way you're using it or they've never heard it before? Sure. Sorry about that. Um, okay. That's my job to clarify because I'm the host. You guys just get to relax and talk and then I'll help you uh, along any way I can. Code switching is when you change how you are presenting yourself according to the context you're in. Mm -hmm. And it comes up most prominently in uh, people of color, how they are comporting themselves, how they are speaking when they are within their community or when they are a minority presence in a say mostly white space. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the most common way it got defined. But in general, it's about switching how you present based on the circumstances that you're in. Right. And I, I so I always go on to add this because I've lived in multiple different cultures where the languages are not my own, the culture is not my own. And a lot of people don't think of Black Americans as having a separate culture, but they do. And when they're code switching, they're suppressing that culture. Yeah. Just like when you're home, the suppression locks come off for your accent, right? And probably different vocabulary. Absolutely. It's a wicked good time. <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's why, like in, in business settings and professional settings, we have to embrace the full authenticity of people because the more classic business sounding voice is a very white voice. Very white and male voice. It's a very yeah. white male voice. And the that's classic true. look is very much a, a white person look. Like natural hair is still getting garbage from people, which is bizarre to me. It's like, why are you giving people a hard time about how they look? But the way people speak and enunciate, the way they inflect, it I mean, it's wonderful, but there's there's so much cultural work we have to do to be able mm -hmm. to go, no, this person is is beyond intelligent. Right. They have They're so much educated. to offer you. They know more you're than not, you do. <laughs> yeah. And you're yes. not hearing it because you're making assumptions based on the fact that they have a, a, a you know a thick southern accent, for example. And it's like, no, 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 no. Take a minute. Because this person has so much to offer you if you can get over yourself. Yeah. I get out of your own with, way. Sorry. I see this with students uh, when they have to do presentations. Both young men and young women will do up talk where every couple of words rises. And it sounds like they're asking questions. But really what they're trying to do is kind of check with their audience. Are you with me with this thing I've just said? Mm -hmm. And... I'm trying to not reproduce. We must all sound like this standard male voice to be authoritative. But also, these young, Babson is a business college, these young entrepreneurs are going to be pitching often in rooms where the people with the power and the money and the decision making are of our generation, where up talk is translated to immature, inexperienced, not ready. And, right. and also insecure. Yeah. Right. You know, and so I tell my students, 
this is the perception out there. How you decide to respond to that's up to you, but you should know that it's there. Maybe you're part of the vanguard that is embracing uptalk and starting to normalize it, or maybe you're going to try to eliminate that from your speech pattern. Yeah. But know that it's there and then make your choice. Yeah. Right. Make a conscious decision. I love yeah. that. I mean, yeah, as an editor, well, I'm, I was an editor in a past life, right? I still do it when people beg me to, but please don't beg me to because I, I have someone amazing. I'll just hand you off to her. She's been like, she's an expert. Um, but, you know, like people are like, well, I'm doing this because, and then I'm like, okay, but do you know the rules this? And they're all, no. I'm like, okay, I just want you to know the rule. We can still do it the way you want, but just yeah. so you know, like, and also sometimes I'm like, readers will think this is a mistake. So mm -hmm. maybe let's think about it some more before we make a final decision. Because information, yeah. it's like you're saying you have these tools in your belt and maybe you're just rearranging them or maybe you're adding a new one. But all information can do is help us. It doesn't restrict us. Exactly. And when I was, so I'm a certified technical trainer. And that means a hundred years ago, I did this class in which we literally videotaped and watched our videotapes, which is brutal. And it was this group. We all descended on this one area and this lovely, brilliant kid, and he's half our age. So kid is up there and he kept, you know, doing his bit and then would do, you know, whatever as a little verbal tick. Mm. And we had to take him aside and say, okay, at this point, we were all in our 30s. And he was like, well, okay, he wasn't half our age, but he was like 21, right? <laughs> he felt half, half our age. No, I know. He, I know he, was, he was so sweet. He was so brilliant. And we yeah. said, um, yeah, so whatever means F you to people of our generation. It means you don't care. It means you're being snotty. And he went, what? What are you talking about? Like, he didn't even realize he was doing it. And we had to kind of go, yeah, you kind of are you kind of are coming across like you're doing the, well, I'm going to tell you this, but whatever. And, <laughs> and he ended up valley girling twice. And I was just like sitting there going, mm -mm. <laughs> no. So when we showed him the video and we talked to him, he worked on it because the guy was brilliant. He had really good things to say, but his presentation made it hard. And I was just talking with, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to ATD Houston. So Association for Talent Development Houston, hi, uh, took me out to lunch. And we were talking about using our skill set, Kelly and mine, to work with women on the fact that there is a need for women presenters, especially in boardrooms, to present strongly, but not too strong, Ugh. which is tough Ugh. because the receipt you get is... If you're too strong, then you're that, right? You're yeah, that's you're the B hard. Word. I mean, because yeah. how do you balance that? Like for me, you both know me really well, so you know <laughs> that uh, trolls on TikTok will, or, or YouTube or whatever yeah. will come out, and they're like, or I had a. Yeah, I wrote a whole article about this woman was like, you're not professional enough to ever have a 50K offer. And I was like, well, I do have, I already do have a 50K yeah. offer. And so how do you balance that between like, I'm being myself, right? Like with my crazy glasses and my purple hair and coming off as arrogant, right? Because I feel yeah. like that's what you're saying, that men don't want arrogant women Women-splaining? Can that even be a thing? This well, sentence feels wrong to say. Yeah, it's certain environments, certain okay. businesses, certain cultures. Um, unfortunately, there has to be some code switching. I wish there didn't. 
But in order to get in the room, you kind of have to adopt the Southern woman version, which is strong power, but with a little femininity. So Dolly Parton. Kind of Dolly Parton. Like Dolly Parton can kick ass, but, you know, but so, and the funny thing is, is that I'm not good at that, but I can coach it in other people. Like Mm, I'm the bull in the China shop. That's why Kelly is making, laughing right now. Cause I'm the person who like, I, you know, I come in and I'm like, hi, (laughs) <laughs> but I can also go, all right, so you really want to get past these two people. Mm. All right, let's identify what they need to see to recognize your authority and competence. So, And then, you know. Yeah. It's not about suppressing yourself. It's about meeting them in at, in a middle, like, middle ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right? Okay. When I was, so I used to be in occupational therapy 100 years ago. And when I was in school, I was still me. So I was mouthy. I was irreverent. I was talkative. And my instructor was somebody who learned from a book, not from a clinic. And she was inaccurate. And I called her out on it because I grew up with clinicians. I'm like, "Uh, that's not a thing. And you're not supposed to do that to your professor, right? (laughs) So yeah, so I got, I was being trashed. And I went to my mother, who's a clinical psychologist. And I said, I cannot get past this woman. And she goes, all right, I want you to tell me what she dresses like. Mm. And she makes some notes and she goes, okay, you're going to buy a cardigan and you're going to wear that for a week. No other changes, then come back to me. And okay, how does she sit? And so I looked at her body language when we reported back to mom and mom goes, okay, you're only going to make these two small changes with your shoulder, with your legs. And I didn't change anything else. And then the third change was language. And mm-hmm. I all of a sudden was honor roll. Mm-hmm. I went from bottom of the stack to honor roll, still same kid, but she had to see me as someone who was taking the work seriously, even though mm-hmm. I was taking the word seriously, because I'm like, you can't be teaching that. That's not accurate. That is not the first stage of, of, of autism. That is not how this works. Right. And you're not supposed to do that. There are gracious ways to do that. Well, and that's what mirroring is all about, right? The they lean in, you lean in, or they relax visibly, you relax visibly, right? That sort of psychological harmony, that's not the right word, but (laughs) when two people are on the same wavelength, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it's like empathetic body language. Can we call it that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It is. It is because you're tuned in. And I don't and I want to be super clear. It is never okay to be fake. Like I was told early in my career to lie to my students. Hmm. And I was in a position where we had to. And that was gross. So when I went independent in 2000, my rule was I don't I don't lie to people. And I would turn down gigs. So I'd be asked, can you teach X? And I said, well, I'm not trained in it. I can prep it, but I don't have it. And they said, you're everyone else would just say yes. And I'm like, well, I'm not everyone. Like, I'm like, well, yeah, I can teach it. Give right. me three weeks to prep. You know, that's fine. Yeah. But no, can I teach it tomorrow? No. Right. That, that, um, extra transparency. I'm the same. I probably talked myself out of a ghostwriting gig earlier this week because yeah. I was like, I ha- I don't I don't know that. I'm not an expert on that subject matter. And I said, but the benefit to you is that I'm not an expert. Right. So I can yeah. translate it for the person you want to read it. 
mm-hmm. who is has no point of reference for what you're talking about, and they'll be able to understand. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's take a few seconds for our sponsor break because their business stories matter too. When people ask what you do as a professional, do your palms and pits start to sweat? Do you break out in hives? Well, don't worry, we've got you covered. Today, you can take Literary Symmetry's complimentary 30-minute masterclass to help you craft your one big sentence so that next time you have 60 seconds to share your story, you know exactly what to say. Because your business story matters. Sign up today at literarysymmetry.com forward slash pathway. And now back to our episode about an epic business owner just like you. I um, I do that a lot with my students sort of increasingly instead of being the professor in the front of the room, I am a person. So when they have graded, you know, when they have submitted their things and they want their grades back and plans went sideways and I didn't get them, I, you know, without too much detail, but I'll say like, hey, thanks to the family this weekend, I didn't have the chance to sit down and spend the 20 hours grading your papers. Sorry about that. I'm working on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not to make an excuse, but I think sometimes people can forget that we're people as well as professionals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's such an important distinction. Okay. I know we could talk more about this, but I feel like the listeners will want to hear the answer to this question. So are we ready for the next one? Yes. All right. So what is actually, can I recap this? What I do. I'm a recap. Yeah. Um, So you, so let's start with Kirsten because we're doing, you guys are kind of throwing me for a loop because we're doing two different things at the same time. But so the pain for your client is they think they're just afraid of public speaking in general, but what they really are failing to see is that they're using their tools in the wrong order and they have to reframe that in a way that's useful to them so that they can present in an engaging way instead of just hopping on stage and not caring who's paying attention. Exactly. Okay. And for Kelly, so your person's pain, your student's pain, is that they don't have enough time, right? They're so busy. The only non-renewable resource we have, uh, well, yeah. you know, personally, not earth speaking wise, we could get off on a tangent there. Um, but they, they have all these things going on and the solution is to take more time on the tasks they actually want to rush through so they can get what they need to make progress. Yes, definitely. All right. We're on to the next question. So what is your solution to that big problem and how do you get it for them? Okay. So my solution is I I work with people on, okay, what is it that you want your audience to do? What behavior do you want? What expressions do you want? What are the outcomes? Okay. Here are the ways in which we can create those outcomes. Mm. Now, what is comfortable for you and what is natural for you? And then we figure out how to make that fit. I I never want people to think that they have to, you know, do the jokey goofy theater thing like I do, because that's my style. You need to use your style. But there's ways to warm up a room, both in person and online. There's ways to bring people out. There's ways to use questions to get, basically to get people where you need them to be instead of where they are. So you can actually use questions to help redirect a flow 
of conversation. And there's whole techniques around that. And it's a matter of what are the specific things that are getting in the way of you getting your objectives met? Awesome. And for me, uh, I have embraced scaffolding much more than I had previously, previously feeling like very highly structured bits leading to something bigger was a kind of hand-holding spoon feeding. Mm. And if the pandemic showed me anything, it's that that's okay, right? In a time when we're all still trying to kind of get our bearings and understand how to operate in this space, I'm spacey, I'm tired, I'm distracted. My 18 to 20 year old students are not handling it better than I am. <laughs> and so I handle their, their time crunch problems. We do some in class writing, we do some mini bits of assignments that add up to the thing I'm gonna ask them to produce that's gonna get graded, right? And I try to be really clear, this isn't busy work. This is why we're doing this, so that we can do that, so that you can go there, right? And by modeling it in class and by being really specific about having them think about, right, meta commentary, how did this thing you just do inform your last task, yeah. right? Okay. And, and that helps them manage their time better because they know where they're headed and we get somewhat less of the sort of wheel spinning panic yeah, I laughed because um, that's exactly how I teach. So if you ever read one of my books, you're reading through the book, you're reading through the book, and then I'm like, boom, I use the concept I just taught you to write this book. And people are always like, that is the most meta thing I've ever seen. But yep. it helps, right? Because you see the examples, you get the mm -hmm. steps, and then you realize, oh, you take a step back and you can see the whole picture. Yep. Yeah, our the core structure of how we work with speech, you know, basically speakers and presenters on speech is prep, practice, and pivot. Yeah. And prep is specific ways of prepping your content to make them modular, to make them so you can, they're scaffolded, and then you can reorder the scaffold, or you can go ahead and take one piece out. And there's a process to that. But mm -hmm. you practice you prep so that then when you practice, you can get a curveball or you can do it this way, or all of a sudden do one, five, nine, nothing else, go. And that's hard to do. But once you have that down, then when you're live, you can pivot to whatever happens. And so when people throw things at you, it becomes less of a, dear God, I want to die. And more of a, oh, really? Oh, you want to dance? Let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's fun because actually trolls, most trolls have no ability to go past their first insult. And and honestly, it's like, you know, you kind of get the thing of, of like, really? Okay, well, that's wonderful. And I appreciate that you did that. It does feel a little high school to me and we're both older than that. So do you think you could break, go work and come back and we'll try again? <laughs> and generally that kills it. They're like, oh. Yeah, I'm right. like, I'm like, bring it, child. I've been trolled by professionals. You're going to have to work harder. I love so. that. Oh, so fun. And troll, I mean, yeah, I had someone on the other day and I had her answer all the questions about trolls because she's a social media manager. I was like, people oh. are really still affected by trolls. Like, how can you move forward? And she gave some really great tips, but it's true. Like, they normally will just throw out one insult and then disappear. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. checking. I don't know what else to say. Bullies, bullies online and in real life, they're not, they're there to get a reaction because there's something missing inside them. 
there's something not connected or something that hurts and they they want to reflect that so they don't feel so alone. And I respect that. I understand it. But that d- doesn't mean you get to be a jerk to me. Like, yes, that's yeah. right. Boundaries, you know. right? Where yeah. we can have empathy for them and their mm-hmm. experience, but we're not going to let them affect our experience. Yep. All right. We're on the last question. I feel like we're doing great because all of us, well, I don't know. Kelly, are you going to the meeting later? Which meeting is that? For the women in tech. Kirsten's going, I think. Uh, actually, okay. I'm not because I'm doing te- I'm doing Tim's thing. Oh, yeah. man. I can't okay. go. So, so Kristen, <laughs> please, please take notes because I can't go because I have another speaker group that I'm part of. And I've well, I have them. to take notes since I'm writing the abstract anyway. So, oh, it's done. OK, consider it done. <laughs> well, so awesome. anyways, we all we're all very busy today, yes. but I'm so glad that we took the time to come on and have this conversation. And yeah. I just want so, um, you know, I'm trying to establish no like trust as people are listening to this. So they'll want to work with you because they should. Um, because work training is amazing. I can't Thank say that you. enough. But why should they trust you to solve these problems for them? Um, and why do you believe that you can do this? Well, why people should trust me and my team is because we have a very uh, we have a very strong ethical focus. Um, mm-hmm. We are not interested in snowing anybody. We're not interested in obfuscating or, you know, doing any nonsense. It's like life is too short. If we're not a good fit, we're not going to be a good fit. And we will find somebody who's a better fit for you. Yeah. Not everybody's meant to partner, right? But I've been doing this work internationally for 20 years. And I've been in every kind of business and every kind of educational setting and so because of that, I have a different perspective than a lot of places do, because every place I ever worked went, well, this is how it is. It's like, no, this is how it is here. And they're like, no, the, the, this is exactly how it is. It's like, mm, the whole no, world does it this way. The whole. Yeah. It's like actually in my week, you know, I'm teaching at uh, I was teaching at a newspaper in Boston one day doing software training in the basement. Um then the next day I was at the top of the Federal Reserve showing an executive how to use his email, you know, like all of this stuff. And it's like every place has their own worldview. And once you expand that worldview a little bit, everybody gets so much more freedom. Mm. And because we all put re- restrictions on ourselves, the restrictions that everybody's feeling are mostly self-imposed. Now, that doesn't mean people are not in bad situations because they are, but we restrict ourselves. And getting a little freedom in that means that it's like, okay, you actually can go ahead and take another level and can move a little further. Let me give you permission to tell a bad joke in your webinar if you want to, if it's your nature. I mean, I always lead off with a really, like when I'm talking about humor, I talk about one specific stupid pirate joke that I do. (laughs) And I'm always like, okay. Here's what we're going to do. I want you all to tell me in the chat pod now, what is the favorite letter of the alphabet for a pirate? Tell me now. <laughs> oh, come on. No, no, you got it wrong. You think it's R, but it's the C. <laughs> and just that bit, people are like, you do that? I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Dignity's overrated. I'm like, also, I, humor yeah. is such an effective tool for information retention. I think a lot of people would be more willing to be silly if they knew that. 
You're yeah. doing it for their benefit, right? You're like, I'm telling the world's worst pirate joke for your Ever. benefit. Well, <laughs> you were talking about trolls. And you know, because I actually went to Kristen. So people watching, I went to Kristen. I was upset because I'd gotten a troll mad at me and saying that I was foul-mouthed when I was teaching people how to curse in Old Norse during a webinar because they were hung up on the software like we were having that moment where the software was really frustrating. Mm. And so I needed to get across to everybody. It's not you. It's the software. The software right. needs you to curse. So I'm going to teach you how to curse in Old Norse. And it's just an insult that means your mother wears army boots. Here we go. And I had somebody write me the worst review. Like they tore me to shreds. And I talked to Kristen right after and I was like, I, I don't know how I feel about this. And she's like, oh, come on. <laughs> And I, you know, it took me a minute. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Because this is, I mean, that's what I do. Right. And you were doing it for them. And she was just being a nitpicky jerk uh, face, right? Well, it like... made, obviously, obviously it hit a nerve. And I get that. But I went back to the producer and I checked because I'm foul mouthed. We, you know, we know this when I'm not online. I sound like a truck driver with Tourette's syndrome. It is not socially acceptable. But when I'm on camera, No. So right. I went and checked with my producer. I'm like, I didn't say anything, did I? And she's like, no, no, you didn't. So no, and Yeah, but we all do need, I feel like we need those people who understand to like wake us up. Just like when I went to Kirsten, I'm like, I can't do this, Kino. I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, what's this one thing? And I was like, oh, she's like, can you talk about that all day? I'm like, yeah, technically, yes, I can. And I love to. <laughs> But, and so, so Kelly, your you have to answer the question. I was just gonna, uh, yeah. and, and people should should trust me because what I bring to work training is a commitment to language, even at the granular level, <laughs> and it can feel really picky. And what does it matter, this word or that word? But it matters a great deal, and because I'm invested in that, I can help clients show where their message might not be landing the way they think, and with a few tweaks, maybe adjust how they're coming across for a particular audience, yeah. right? Because it's not just about your individual voice, it's about your audience, meet them where they are. And sometimes that happens at the really granular level of specific word choice or how a sentence is structured. That's true. And I know we could definitely geek out on that all day. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then if we got... I... If we got Jim on, because we have Danny and Jim. So Danny's oh, they, another, she's, ooh. she is an instructional designer. So, oh nice. my God. And then Jim is our graphics person. And he, he knows more about graphics than any human I've ever met. Like he, he's visually just brilliant. And he also is incredibly irreverent. So it's lovely. Cause I showed him something once that, in, you know, I was like this design. He goes, no, no, we, no, no. That's <laughs> who would do that. No. And I'm like, thank you. I feel better. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let me ask. I just have to ask this one question because I'm curious. I think I already know the answer, but Oxford comma or no Oxford comma. I have a t-shirt that says team Oxford comma. I have a sticker on my laptop. That's Oxford comma all day long. It's in our style guide. Rorkin it's in our style guide. Style. Oh, I love that you have a style guide. Yeah. Uh, Probably half of the people don't know what a style guide is. It's like a two-word way. So it's like the Bible for the language your company uses. Yes. Right. So do we, like, do we say cops or do we say officers? Uh, do we use the singular they or do we use he, she? 
just you know when style choices need to be made for consistency you write them down and now everybody does those things and are you using sentence case or you know capitals in in titles like what is the visual story that you're right. telling up down style all that fun mm -hmm. stuff yeah. yeah oh yeah like i said we could do we could yeah, geek we don't out. have to do a whole geeked out language episode just because language is so at the center of being able to communicate your business yeah. story. So yeah. I can justify it that way. <laughs> Not just because I want to. <laughs> I will wear my Oxford comma t-shirt or I might wear my t-shirt that is one crow pointing at two others and going murder because it's a murder of crows. Yes, that's right. Right. I love it. Okay. Someone tell a 60 second story while I write your USP. 60 second story. Uh, that's good, Kelly. That probably needs to be you. <laughs> All right. So here is my 60 second story. The story of the most expensive visit to the ER's best $75 ever spent. Our toddler child in her car seat had shoved a raisin up her nose, but it was dark and we didn't know that that's what happened. We just know she started not being able to breathe real well. And so we take her to the ER, they take one look, they know immediately what it is. And they're giving us the instructions on how we are gonna close one side and blow and get it to come out. And in the meantime, our daughter's hysterical and crying and the, um, the rehydrated raisin slides right out on its own. And it was the best $75 we've ever spent. But wow, it was terrifying. Oh, that's so scary. Things with kids are, yes, they can be. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and especially because we don't know where the raisin came from. She didn't oh, have... no, no. It was a mystery raisin. A mystery <laughs> raisin. Well, that are Lego bits. Like Legos show up everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We have Legos all over our house. Literally right now there are Legos strewn about my house, no matter how often I pick them up. Yeah. I have Legos. Which way the camera? Oh, other way. Right there. R2 over my shoulder. Yes. Legos. Hi, R2. Oh, yes. <laughs> all right. I can't do the end of it because your, your talk is just too stimulating. Uh, I'm just going to do this part. I did the first half. Okay, I do want the audience to remember that I was trying to do two at once and combine them. So let's take a look. Okay. We help presenters understand what tools they already have in their toolbox, should be toolboxes, by asking questions that help them understand. See, understand is in there twice. What their audience is three times. This is the worst one I've ever done. This is sad. <laughs> This is but the my first draft. It's the first draft. Well, and that's the thing. My friend Emma was like, you have to keep doing it to where there are typos and all this ugly stuff in there because that you're showing your process. Exactly. Okay, let me try. Let me try another pass. Are you ready? Yes. I'm going to do a live. So we help presenters understand what experiences and skills they already possess by asking them questions about their audience so that they know what, so that they know how to engage the people that they're communicating with. Yeah. Yeah. I stand by that one. That's I it. I like that. That's one. good. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. And that's what happens when you come on live. All right. Good. Tell people where can they find you? I'm going to pop the uh, word training um, website in the chat, but how do people get in contact with you who need to understand how to engage better with their audience? So RourkeTraining.com, R-O-U-R-K-E Training.com. And we are on all the socials. So uh, you can find Kelly and I on LinkedIn, on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on, we're on Facebook. 
Uh, so find us everywhere. And I'll put in a plug for the podcast, which oh, yes. you can to from rooktraining.com, but also we have a YouTube channel. So if you want to see us while we're talking, you have that option. Yes. Ongoing Wonderful. Mastery, presenting and speaking the podcast. Yes. We're not on TikTok yet. No. So okay. we, we, we'll, have to, we'll have to work on it. We'll have a whole <laughs> conversation about TikTok, but you're doing great. If you're on YouTube, you're, you're doing it. So congratulations. I horrified our teenager by calling it tickety talk. And um, I did that on purpose and it was hilarious. And she's like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah, my kids were fine when I went on TikTok. When I went on Twitch, they all died. Like they all just shrunk into themselves. They were like, no, mom, no. I'm like, my target audience is between 18 and 34-year-olds and that's where they live. So that's where I'm going dealing. Yep. I have friends who are on Twitch, so that to us is just like whatever. We tune in and you know chat with our friends, but TikTok yeah. is sacred, and no. I do want to do a live stream of our Discord because we game. Uh, my my husband writes role playing games, so we do test Ooh. plays, and I'm now like, we really need to live stream this. Yeah, we do. You should be on Twitch because that's the perfect place for that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on, friends. I hope you have a wonderful and busy day today. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, RoarTraining.com for all your presenting needs. And remember, you already have the tools. You just need to rearrange them in your toolbox. And as always, your business story matters. And that's why we're telling it here. Thank you for listening to my mom's radical podcast. Cool face emoji. And if you want to be radical like my super awesome mom, then you should totes check out her impact accelerator. You just need to leave a review of this podcast and screenshot that baby and send it to impact at literarysymmetry.com. And like my mama always says, your business story matters. Hey, I don't sound like that. Let's do copyright.